0: Hey everyone, welcome back. Up next is a conversation with Eli Paley. Eli is the founder of the Mishpacha magazine. Mishpacha means family in Hebrew and their audience is the Jewish ultra-Orthodox community. It was great. Eli was super thoughtful. He raised points and questions that I had never thought of or entertained. I mean look, to be honest, he's got a point of view that rarely enters into my mind, but I thought was interesting to seek out because it's just always in the news about how they're threatening the future of of this country and how they're undermining the fabric of Israeli society. So I wanted to hear from from someone within that community. And I think that you'll get something out of this conversation too. And just on a personal note, I wanna say that given how they are portrayed as holding values that are very foreign to most, say, modern or secular people. I did feel like I was heading into perhaps some kind of alien <laughs> spaceship. I mean, we recorded this in their offices and I have to say it was totally normal. Uh, it looked like any office that you could think of. Chairs, computers, furniture, the lighting is the same. Uh, Men and women working together, even in the studio where Ellie and I recorded, there was a woman called Shirelle and she helped with the audio of this. I spoke to her after all, again, a very bright woman. So, my point is sometimes the gap between our perceived differences and the actual story is smaller than we think. So, I hope that's true. And of course, I should say, of course, that. A gap does remain between, say, what Ellie thinks about the world and I do, and therefore the point of these conversations. Let me know what you think in the comments below. It's always great to hear from the audience. Listening to what you guys have to say really does sharpen my thinking. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. The numbers keep going up, and that is really, really cool to see, and I'm really thankful for all everyone's support. And lastly, if this conversation resonates with you, or you find something useful, or it makes you think of someone else who might be interested in this kind of topic, then share it. Let, help me spread the word. Um, I'm trying to reach as many people as I can who are interested in this kind of stuff. Anyway, enjoy the conversation with Ellie. Let's get some water. How are you,
1: Eddie? Doing great. Yeah? Because uh, you one shot or
0: No, no, it's just one shot.
1: One shot, okay.
0: Yeah. Look, you know, it's uh, my style is honestly just, you're talking to me, you know? <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Um, So I, I'm a recovering journalist, and one of the mistakes I used to make um, in the beginning... When I was doing the the podcast was I was treating every episode like an interview mm-hmm. so I would prepare and I would you know have smart things to say and all that kind of stuff and what I realized was that um interviews are actually just tortured conversation you know because then it's i'm i'm in the i take the form of someone that wants to extract information out of you whereas a conversation is, exactly, mm-hmm. right? I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm present and I'm listening to what you say and it's just so much... I like it much better. Yeah, yeah. And it takes you... There is some advantages of doing it very... Structured.
1: Into, structure, but uh, in terms of conversation, I feel it's much more...
0: Yeah, the yeah. dynamic is much better. And it's also, I actually get a sense for who you are and you get a sense for who I am and we get somewhere, you know? It's cool. And I'm obviously not the first one to stumble onto this, but anyway, so nice to meet you. Um, so listen, the, the reason I, I really don't have an agenda other than to understand your community better, but the reason I, I sought you out was because this country right now is, I don't know, it's, it, it's, yeah, you, you, you smile, you laugh, but it's, there's something going on where it's has No, in Yiddish we call it the krechts. Which oh. is? Oh, Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Okay, you know, as the Jewish
1: people always we smile, you know, when when Rabbi Akiva saw the the fox
0: going out from what ho- what is that? I saw that on Twitter yeah. on Tisha What 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 was the whole story behind the fox and the
1: no, the story is that after the destruction of the Second Temple, Rabbi Akiva and some other sages came to see the destroyed uh, temple and destroyed city and they saw a fox going out from the place of the Beit HaMikdash, the holy mm-hmm. temple. And the sages were crying. This holy place became such a place that uh, we see animals walking there, mm. a place that only the Kohen Gadol was allowed to go into the Kodash Kodashim. And our Akiva looked at this and smiled and said, Why are you smiling? And he said, Because the prophet who said that, this, that the temple will be destroyed, Beit HaMikdash will be destroyed, mm-hmm. he's the same one who said, uh, Alhar Tzion Sheshamim Shu Alim Hil so if I saw Shoalim El-Chubo, I also believe in the prophet that said, one day it will be rebuilt and recovered. So when we see a disaster, always we see something that, okay, there is, there is a process, there is something is going behind. Oh, wow. And I believe it's also relevant to the, what we are facing today. We're all very, very sad and concerned about what's going on, but I believe, and I'm yeah. a very optimistic person, that maybe it's a new so, reset of our structure and
0: uh, so there's this. So, what I was alluding to earlier was that there's this central tension that has been, it's just exploded, I said, into the public domain, which is what is Israel, right? Is Israel a Jewish country? Is Israel a democratic country? Can both those things coexist? Um, and, and obviously, you are, you and the Haredi, the ultra Orthodox community, on the spectrum of that. Definition fall on the more the, the classically religious side of of Judaism, right? Whereas uh, the the so called founders of this uh, country were on the more democratic secular side, and, and 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 there's this element of demographics, right? Where your your community is the fastest growing in the country, and now the people who um, who who have who formed this country who've got, have governed this country who have set the policy for this country for since its inception inception feel that it's turning it's 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 this kind of I want my country back thing going on where mm-hmm. and now you guys are the scapegoat for for everything right so if if there's any change that it's in your benefit your favor it's oh my gosh the country's going to hell and we're all going to live in a country that's of your making in your image and it it seems to me to be pretty. I don't know. It's it's not healthy. I would say so. I want to know if all that stuff they said about you is true. You you as in your community, right? What do you what do you want? <laughs> what what is it exactly that you want in your country? How how do you envision this country should look like?
1: Okay, so I'll start with the, my personal history. Yeah. Um, so my connection to the state of Israel started back almost 100 years ago when my grandfather came from Lithuania from Russia to build yeshiva in the city of Hebron oh wow in 1924 it's almost 100 years. and a year later my great grandfather came he was a rabbi in the yeshiva and my uncle so our family Came to the State of Israel as part of the long mission of trying to rebuild Torah in Eretz Israel. Wow! Um, it started with the Telmidei Hagra, uh, 300 years ago. They they were the first Zionists who came to Israel with no with with no conditions, just because of the passion to to rebuild back the the Jewish the Jewish uh, nation and Jewish state. Okay. Um, this is for my father's side. They were there till 1929, uh, till the big massacre, the uh, Pat. Just, just spell that out for anyone that doesn't know. What happened
0: in 1929? 1929, 1929
1: in was a big massacre uh, in many places in Israel. The Arabs, that was part of the tension between the Arabs and the Zionist movement. And the Hebron was one of the the, the wars, uh, was uh, pogroms and, and, and violence in many places in Israel. And, in Jaffa and Tiberias and other places, but in Hebron was particularly tra- a tragedy because there was such a great relationship between the Jewish community and the Arab community, uh, the family Slonim, where they had a bank there, and all the Arabs, on, on the business people, were in touch with them. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, one day, um, it turned and uh, Our family story was that my great-grandfather was asked to come to the shelter by the house of the family Slonim, Mm -hmm. because this was considered a secure place, because everybody knew that everybody respected him, everybody, I'm talking about the Arab society, and my great-grandfather decided that he wanted to stay home. And what happened was that the people were by the house of Slonim, most of them were murdered and killed. Whoa. And uh, in a very um, cruel, cr- like can't imagine what happened. Not just they killed the people, they, they even tort- tort- tortured the people and raped the, the, the women. It was uh, uh, very frightening.
0: Were these the same people that did business and had good relations? Yeah, yeah. So just one day they turned and, mm-hmm. wow.
1: Um, and uh, our family survived because my great-grandfather uh, stood in his home.
0: Uh, Do you know the, why he decided not oh, to? Oh,
1: so for years was a story like he was uh, a prophet. How did he know that uh, yeah. he's going to survive? And the real story was that he was suffering for asthma. And he decided that he, there is no way he can be in, in a very crowded, crowded home. He won't survive. He had a very uh, hard asthma. He, he passed away very young a few years later. Um, but uh, for our family, then, then we moved to, Jerusalem and the famous Yeshiva, Yeshivat Hebron in Jerusalem, which is today the, the largest, one of the, the biggest Yeshivat in the Haredi world, mm-hmm. was the continuation of this uh, effort in, uh, in the city of Hebron. So always when I'm talking about my family and my heritage, so we came to Earth Israel with a mission that we have, we have a mission to rebuild the, the 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 Jewish state or the Jewish the Jewish country mm-hmm. uh, to continue and to build Torah in Eretz Israel. So I'm very deep into this root of of my 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 family my family uh, heritage. From my mother's side, she's my mother. She was a Holocaust survivor. She was a young girl by the Holocaust. Um, I find three years ago I went with my kids, two of my youngest kids, to Yad Vashem. Uh, the day before Tisha Beav and part of the visit was to to go over my grandmother's testimonial. She gave like six and a half hours testimonial about her experience. She your, was Your very grandmother. Great, my grandmother. She was a very great storyteller. So she spoke about her family, not just about the Holocaust. But then we find and I was shocked to find that my mother, her sister and her mother was were already on a train to Auschwitz. So they survive over the war and at some point they took them to put them on a train to auschwitz you know the the cattle train with the people dying and and after a day or two of traveling um the train was bombed and half of the train continued to the original destination and the second half was stuck there and after a day they, they Brought a train and took them from the other side to Vienna, and this is this is uh, how we survive. Wow! So I am living with these two elements of my my genes or my history. One is the passion of of making sure the Torah will flourish and continue uh, here in the State of Israel, yeah. and and in a way, much much more before the establishment of the State of Israel. And uh, and being a son of a Holocaust survivor in the in the deep meaning holocaust survivor my mother my great my grandmother and then also my grandfather he was in concentric uh, camps but he also survived so the unit after the war so she came here with two kids Um, she left the world with having um, 20 grandkids she lost a, a girl by the war another sister of my mother and when she passed away she passed with over 100 grandkids wow and endless number i can't even count how many great-grandkids she had she passed in the age of 94
0: yeah so how do, you, how do you how do you make sense of that inheritance because on the one hand your grandfather survived they both survived essentially by luck and one was a case of wonderful relations according to Mm -hmm. the way you tell it and then just one over a very short period of time it just becomes extremely hostile and and murderous and you're and on your mother's side I mean I don't even know how to how to parse that how do you make sense of how you came to be how you came to be in this world I think that uh, um,
1: this part of our family history uh, made me maybe even living with a much stronger sense of a mission meaning i'm here because i have a mission i'm not here because i want to survive and i'm mm-hmm. not here because i just want to have a good good life and this is the way i grew up my father was very active over his lifetime just to help people mm. in any manner From, give me
0: give me an example like what what's what who was your father
1: um my father in a, in the a early the early 60s he was a young boy in yeshiva, and this is the days that, uh, that the new immigrants start to come from uh, North Africa, mm-hmm. Morocco, Yemen, Morocco, and other places. And that was the time when the clash between the religious and the new Zionist movement was very strong. Mm. And it's important to to remind it or to remember it because to understand the tension between the Haredi and non-Haredi, we have to go back at least to the to the days of the. Uh, establishing of the state but mm-hmm. also going back of even 200 and 250 years the fight between the Enlightenment, Haskalah and the religious community so when when they came to Israel and Israel was a new country they were very concerned about how these people who are still devoted to the old religious life and tradition will affect the new secular socialist estate and the part of the Haredi trauma was those days when they forced people to leave the religious they didn't offer them they didn't suggest them they didn't give them a the choice they forced people they took put people in camps didn't allow them to have any access to jewish education and my father and one by the way of the Rabanim here in our publication Rabbi Benachem Cohen, uh, were young people who went to the camps and were fighting with the guards there sometimes with risking their lives because they were sometimes even shooting people who came to help those uh, those uh, new immigrants and was trying their best to see how we can help these people that their kids will continue to get a Jewish education one of the stories that I heard a few years ago I went to uh, uh, to Mern, to Shiva of some very famous family and he was a brother-in-law of David Yosef, a Swiss, and he told me his story. Ah. That's fine, that's fine. Okay. 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 keep going. <laughs> and so, uh, so he said that uh, when he was a young child, he was in one of these camps, yeah. where they, they put these Moroccan people, and one day my father came there, was like, maybe 19 or 20 years old. Yeah. And he came there and he saw the child running in the middle of the day, running out outside. So he went to his mother and said, Why aren't you sending him to a school? And she said, Because they forced us to send them to secular school. And I didn't come I didn't come to Israel to give my kids secular education. We always for for years we were praying and wishing to come to Israel and, and I can't give up. So I'm, I'd rather let him stay here and not go to secular school. And my father said, I have yeshiva. Let him come with me. And the mother, without even blinking, she went to the room. She took the blankets and put some of the few clothes that he has. She tied it together, put it on his shoulder and gave them to my father. My father took him to yeshiva. By the evening, the father came home. And he asked, where is David or Moshe? And she said, I don't know. A, 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 A rabbi came here, a young rabbi, and I liked him very much. And I sent David with him to yeshiva and took over three weeks till the boy came back first time. So nobody knew where he is. So what you can learn from this story was A, how passionate they were to find a solution for their kids. And they were even ready to give up the child without knowing if he will come back uh, 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 anymore. So that was my father's passion when, when he started to work, was an organization called Pe'ilim. They were running from camp to camp. He built he opened Yeshiva, he built Yeshivot, he took kids to Yeshivot. Many of them were later became big rabbis in Israel.
0: Mm. Um, later if, if I if I channel my inner uh, Christopher Hitchens, do you know who that is? Mm. No, right? <laughs> of course not. No, he's a very he was a very um, well known atheist. Uh, writer, so that's one way to read the story. If I were him, I would read that story and think uh, a country is trying to provide education that will help help you, those young children um, integrate into uh, an economy, give them a chance for a better life. And these re- these religious conservatives are saying, "Well, no, I'd rather my child get, you know, this." Um, Let's say archaic education of religion. That's is questionable whether it can actually help someone um, uh, be a, be a functioning member of society. And like that, that's this is the poison of religion that 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 people would go so far as to deny their children a chance for a better life, um, clinging to their old you know ancient beliefs and. Um, and boy is not all that terrible, and 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 in so far, they, like not even that. They just she was so desperate for a religious education that she just gave her son away to a, essentially a stranger, and they didn't know where this person was for three weeks.
1: Um, what? So first, no. First, I want to argue about the the the, the case. Meaning, yeah. to send these kids to religious schools didn't mean to send them to Haredi school today. It was a regular school mm-hmm. with with the regular curriculum and English and math and and but. But but the case was that they said if they will stay religious, not if they will go to religious school, if they will stay, they cut their payout, they took off their mm, kippah, mm-hmm. they forced them to be Mechalel Shabbat, they didn't mm-hmm. give them jobs if they will if, insist to continue right. the religious practice. Right. And this is a very scary uh, right. decision. Even your friend will agree yeah. because how far you're ready to go for it. Right. And what happened with the Yemenis, for instance, so from the same attitude, you decided, so for this child... It's better to grow up by a father, by, a, by parents in a kibbutz. So they, even they took kids from their parents and didn't give them back. So, right. so that's what was part of the big tragedy. until right. today, if we want to understand the roots, why Haredim is so suspicious mm. about the country? So always we have to keep in mind that we have some trauma from the way that it was built, not just that people left the religious, that was one issue, that many people left the religious, and that's why Haredim started to build a a strategy how we can segregate from the community to make sure that we won't lose our kids, because we believe that with all the respect to make sure that people will be able to make a living, but we have a mission in life to make sure that the Jewish nation will continue, that we will continue the history of over 3,500 years, so, this is part of their mission. But the tragedy that how far the, the, the founders of the country, some of the founders of the country, were ready to go, uh, um, put Haredi And I always say we have to recover, we have to, to move forward. Mm-hmm. But it's always a tragedy. I don't know whom, when you want to blame, who you want to blame today. But without understanding the roots, mm-hmm. we're missing something. Okay. I'll just give you just one, one another example. It's called Yeldey Teheran. The kids from Tehran, Mm -hmm. it was young kids, orphans, who lost their parents by the Holocaust. They came to Israel. Most of them came from Hasidic rabbinic families. Some of them were kids of big rabbis and big admorim. And the state decided that they have to go to kibbutzim. It was a big fight in Israel whether those kids will continue to get religious education as their parents who were murdered by the Holocaust wanted or the state decided no 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 we want for them the best education and that was a huge tragedy. Yeah and
0: and it's it's, what good is the highest education if you if you destroy someone's spirit and soul, right? If you if you rip someone out of their yeah. family and you you rip them out of the values that they're accustomed to... And
1: th- those kids were crying. That's a trauma, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, they're crying. Yeah. Uh, Nobody was listening to them. was like a political agreement that I think 85% went to Kibbutzim, mm-hmm. 5% went to uh, Aguda, and 10% went to Mizrahi, yeah. and that was a tragedy.
0: And, and there's something... I think this is the one of the dangers of um, atheism is that you you rationalize everything, you say, look, you know you human robots you know, we'll just wh- whatever culture you came from, whatever backward culture you came okay. from, we'll forget all the any of the positives. We'll just we'll calculate this and say, look, okay you you're, you seem to have an aptitude for math okay, we'll we'll put you in a in a scenario that optimizes that and will disregard all the sort of emotional, psychological, or even spiritual components to your existence.
1: Yeah, I I could just give you, I think it's it's very relevant to our conversation even to understand the situation today, Mm -hmm. meaning there is some challenges and concerns. Oh, now it's okay? (laughs) It's fine. Mm?
0: No one's looking for our pretty faces (laughs) now. Anyway, so uh, So you were saying- So I
1: find the similarity to a very current uh, challenge, which is kids who are leaving the Haredi society. Leaving. Leaving Haredi society. We call them today Uh Kids who drop their Jewish life. And there is organizations who are helping them. Yeah. And one of, and I'm, in my foundation, didn't speak yet about my foundation, and foundation also we are focusing very much on the welfare of young Haredi kids, Mm -hmm. trying to help. And one of the challenges is the same attitude that was by the, by the establishment of the state. People say, okay, if you're coming from Haredi family mm-hmm. and finally you left, make, let's, let's try to make sure that you will get a new life. And part of giving you a new life is to disconnect you from the old life, including from your family. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you, I'm not saying that we're pushing you, some some maybe even pushing them, but even without pushing them, at least we encourage them to say, okay, leave aside the family that you're coming from, leave aside the poor life, leave aside, Mm -hmm. and let's try to rebuild a new life, and it's not working. It's not working because you can't take from a child, you can't take from a person, his family, his parents, no matter what kind of parents, and, and I'm very happy today to see that some of this movement really understand that one of the biggest challenges, whether you are staying religious or not religious, is to make sure that the kids and the family will be connected. And so, that this is really reflecting the same attitude mm-hmm. that some of these organizations really felt that, as long as we will help you to really delete and forget everything that you're coming from, no, you can't because this is part of my life, part of my culture, part of my, my my soul, and and, and you and you can't uh,
0: just so so. What, what is? Let's just start from all the way down, yeah. all the way down on the ground floor. What 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 do? I know Haredim is a sort of a, a broad term, but w- what do the ultra orthodox believe metaphysically? So a God exists, yeah. Ah, oh, for sure. <laughs> no, but <laughs> well, this is well, not. I don't know. No, but this is <laughs> not.
1: This is not the definition of uh, of Haredim. Uh, I think what uh, the main.
0: Um, but, but wait, but wait. I just want to hang, hang on because I think it's relevant the God part. So mm-hmm. what is this God? First of all, is this a is this a personal God? You can you can. Talk, speak with this God. Do you? Yeah, do you have yeah, an answer?
1: Absolutely. We just read this parasha, and I recommend you to go. Maybe you did it, to go over this parasha and to see uh, how God, by the Torah, uh, described the relationship between Him and uh, and the Jewish nation, as the chosen people that He loved them, He cared about them, He, he took care about them, and so we see God as a very personal, um, personal God. Who, who really find us and, and, and chose us for a mission of the world. And the mission is really to bring the presence of God to the world. Mm-hmm. And the way that it's done is that yes, um, and just in the previous parasha, we said, <speaking in Hebrew> there is, is there any big nation who is so, who has a close God? This is the definition. Elohim Krovim, a close God, and the close God means that he's always there to listen to our prayers. So we believe that there is a constant relationship between God, not just He create the world or create the universe, that he is the one that wants us together with him to make the world as a better place.
0: Okay, and this God that loves the Jews has has carved out... so. so. Um, the Earth is populated by humans, but there's this very narrow class of humans called the Jews that have a special mission to bring God to the world. Mm-hmm. And is is in the uh, ultra orthodox understanding of this is the is the Jew properly defined? Is there a a one definition that fits what a Jew is and isn't?
1: Hmm, interesting. Um, by Charedim. Or by religious people, so the only definition of being right Jew, I would call it, not being a Jew, being a Jew is uh, bio- biological. If you were born to a Jewish mother, so you're a Jew, whether you are religious or not religious. But uh, to be, to be, in, in, the, in, the, in, in the real sense of being a Jew, meaning to fulfill your commitment to this relationship with God, which means to fulfill your commitments to keep and to observe Torah mitzvot, the commands of God.
0: Okay. And the and the Torah was written over many many years, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so, sorry, let me take a step back. Um, according to the tradition, the the ultra orthodox Jews believe that this was a book dictated from God to Moses, right? And to the Jewish nation, and then therefore to the to the Jewish nation. That was the the, the first the five books of Moses, and then afterwards the the, the following books were written by prophets, and then mm-hmm. after that the rabbi sages right? yeah okay so and and what, what what confuses me which is why i ask about the definition of a jew is that there's just there's such a broad within the whole jewish nation there's a whole broad spectrum of what is a jew like for example you have the Karaites mm-hmm. who don't follow any rabbinical law at all they say mm. it's Oh, am I wrong? They follow some. They they have their own rabbinical guidance, <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> just not those rabbis. <laughs> yeah. Okay, perfect. That's that's essentially what what, what Judaism is. It's like just well, you follow my rabbi, just not that one, right? There, there's a lot of that.
1: Yeah, but it's it's a very philosophical question because uh, we know that uh, Judaism in general, or, or or the rabbinical Judaism, is really encouraging a debate and encouraging different opinions. And the question is, where is the border? When are you still part or consider part of this right. conversation and, and there is a legitimacy for diversity and different opinions right. and different in terms of beliefs. So some people believe that as long as you're keeping the, the practical rules, you can you can be, you know, maybe more rationalist like Rambam, mm-hmm. or you can be more mystical or what uh, so some other people say that even in your beliefs there is some rules. But in general I think that the common agreement is that uh, or the common understanding is that, if in order to keep at least based on our history, in order to keep to be part of this uh, um, circle of Jewish life, you have to make sure that keeping Torah mitzvot is part of your life.
0: So l- let me let me ask this question, I guess, in a different way. Uh, let, just following with what you said, right? So. Would you would you say that the Jew today is the same Jew a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, three thousand years ago? Would you would you would you be able to use the same markers to identify who the Jew is and who the Jew isn't
1: um, across time? So yeah. So the answer will be yes, but and I'll, I'll explain. Meaning, for sure, the closest way of life that I can see that, that there is correlation between the way that people live today and, le- and lived 1,000 years ago and 2,000 was, I think, the same elements. Meaning that studying Torah mm-hmm. is your core mission in life. Heilu okay. shiur. say it every morning. That uh, And you see part of the definition of Haredim, or, or, or the way, if you want to describe Haredim, is putting the value of studying Torah, not the value of keeping Observe it, keeping uh, uh, the Jewish uh, rules, the Jewish law. Yeah. Making this as part of their life, which translated into their elementary education, yeshivot and ko'ilalim, this is something that uh, I think you can, you can see it over the over the years, whether people were worked or didn't work, always studying Torah was a Jewish value okay even before the world even discovered the importance of of uh, literacy and and and, and learning
0: right, I mean even Jewish kings of old right they they would sit and study always right always
1: right. this is one element and the other element is your the commitment that you have to keep the Jewish law now I think this is the similarity between Jewish today and thousand years ago and two thousand years ago mm-hmm. If you ask me, if someone from the Mishnaic time, from the you know the, the second century, will will meet today a Haredi rabbi and and they will find ah we are similar? No, they are not similar. They have different culture, different language, different mm-hmm. uh, way of life. So for sure, in a way, Charedim today is is a reflection of modernity, meaning the way. Mm-hmm. Meaning, the essence, the main values are, from my perspective, or, or let's put it the opposite. For sure, people are living today not in the, the way of observing Torah, whether they're Haredim, or I'm not talking just about Haredim, Orthodox people even mm-hmm. more Orthodox. Mm-hmm. People that, that Torah and mitzvot are the center of life, for sure there are more, uh, have more in common with the people 1,000 to 2,000 years ago than people today that they have Jewish identity by, I don't know, tikkun olam or believing in the you know, revival of the Jewish people—they uh, for sure, because the 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 being a Jew till 300 years ago was very one one definition. Whether you are right. have commitment to the Jewish halacha or don't have commitment, what halacha means, how flexible Halakha can be, we can argue. Yeah. But for sure, that was the main the main attitude and the main value.
0: Okay, but you to just to zoom back into the present moment you can understand uh, let me ask you this is a question yeah but can you understand then the concern that secular people people that don't necessarily they don't study torah all day um they don't keep all the laws but identify themselves as jewish um and you know what what's what's fascinating about all this and why i think i i I, like, I insist on starting in this in, in, in metaphysics because mm-hmm. we act in a given way to in order to lead the best life possible, however you define that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That is the point of action. Mm-hmm. And so Judaism is one set of ideas that say, okay, act this way and you'll get closer to God essentially right
1: in this parasha we said what God wants from you you know to to, to keep and to love him and whatever for you for your own sake at the end of the day all he wants from you right is to make sure that your life will be a better life which is
0: which is there's there's such wisdom in that because your best life is the is uh, you know by, by definition, the best life for everyone else, mm-hmm. right? The better person you are, the happier you are, the more giving and loving you are. Obviously, you want as many of those kinds of people you want in the Absolutely. world, right? So, so which, is, which is why it gets so interesting because the claim is, everyone makes this claim, but also specifically for the ultra-Orthodox is we know the best way forward in life and any deviation, or any any, uh, yeah, any deviation from our standard is is suboptimal. It's a, it's a it's a judgment. It's like a, okay, all the rest of you, you don't really know what you're doing, <laughs> right? But by the way, secular people make everyone makes that judgment. We all mm-hmm. look at each other and say, "Wow, well, you know, maybe you should cut that beard, man." Uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's just a lot of maintenance, just, mm-hmm. you know, right? Whatever. I'm I'm making a silly joke, but mm-hmm. but the certainty. That comes with the religious mindset of we know what the answer is that's that's the scary part for a secular person to say well let, like let's discuss this <laughs> um,
1: I agree. I remember that uh, a few years ago I led a tour of uh, yeah. a few uh, leaders and business people to the one of the Haredi cities mm-hmm. uh, mudine elite like you know to meet to see the real life to see the people We even had the uh, 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 supper by each each of the groups were the supper by Haredi families, so to see the family, their food, the, the the way, the kids, the family.
0: yeah.
1: And I remember that by the end we had the conversation, and one of the questions that we were asked, people were very impressed to see how modest they are living and and, and, and happy families. Yeah. it was really, you know, they have many stereotypes, st- stereotypes about Haredi and and they were really find that even people that consider living in a very low uh, low level, they're living in a very, you know, the, the maintenance of their home looks nice and, 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 yeah. and they love, and they love uh, decoration and, the, the, and, and good food. And, and, and uh, I remember by the end, so one of the people asked me, you know, what bothers me, I was very impressed to see it and it's really fascinating, but I, I really bothered why horadim don't take responsibility for their brothers. Meaning you're living your own life but we have challenges. Mm -hmm. Army, economy, Mm -hmm. why you're not taking this seriously? And I said health in a joke, but it wasn't really a joke. I said, I'm not sure that at that stage you want Haredim to take responsibility. Because for Haredim to take responsibility means exactly what you said. Ah, so you want to take responsibility? So for me, I have to make sure that you will live the right life. So maybe it's better to live in such a status quo that you know, let us build our own life. Let's keep a dialogue without trying to force uh, our way of life. And I really believe that this is reflects what the way that Haredim see. Meaning, Haredim don't have any. Uh, I can say it in general. Maybe there is few. You are a Jew. Uh, you know, no, they don't have any. You, you say, "No, you, you want me to go join in the army?" Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> no, I'm saying no. They don't have any. No, I'm any. joking,
0: but that, yeah. that, that's that's a fun. That's an interesting argument. I, I hadn't actually considered that. It's like if you really want us to. Hold the guns, yeah. Okay, be careful. <laughs> no, not even guns.
1: You really want our voice to be heard? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have priorities. So first we have to make sure that we'll be a country, but this is not the way the Haredim are living and This is part of, in, in my perspective, part of the beauty or the balance of the Haredim. They really deeply believe in their way of life, but they don't try, they don't even have any any ambitious to oppose their way of life of other people. Meaning, on one hand, it's a challenge because they look at other people and said, we are living right, you are living wrong. Mm-hmm. But all they want is let us continue focusing on what we are doing and that's part of the tension that we see today. People said, but why don't you care about the big picture? I said, because for Haredi, there is a different interpretation of what does it mean to care about the rest? mean use it. Mm. Care, Can you make sure that the GDP will, will, will continue to grow? said, No, this is not my highest priority. So if you want us to care, I do care. And the way I care is to make sure that my kids will continue and I'm ready to sacrifice and I'm ready to give up many of, of the opportunities in my life because I want to make sure that the Jewish nation will continue without forcing my agenda on other people's.
0: The the issue though, I if I'm if I'm now gonna take the stance of a staunch secular person would be to say, Okay, fine, fair enough. I see where you're coming from, but we still live in this country together and your sacrifices and your way of living um are to your benefit, but we are, you know, worrying about the GDP and we are worrying about mm-hmm. the defense of this country for yours as well. It's not just for us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's for everyone. Um, and, and if, if I'm honest, I, I, I have my sympathies lies, lie with the, the people who make the sacrifices for everyone, right? Not just for their own narrow community.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So how, how, how do we find that balance forward? Because you can't, you need a voice. You need to participate, right? That it wouldn't be fair otherwise. And it's important to hear. It's important to hear your concerns of what what you guys want and what you don't want um anyway, sorry I think th- i think th- I think I just asked yeah, you, a you question. Made, yeah, <laughs> yeah you,
1: you made a point so so um you're definitely touching i think uh the biggest challenge that we have today and and I think the tension that we see today and yeah. today is really reflecting this this question, but I just want to go back so mm-hmm. I'll start with my my story like almost eleven years ago when my father passed away. Um, I was very concerned about it. For years, I was very concerned about the issue of how we, Haredim and non-Haredim, can live together. I yeah. think this is for the for the sake of the Jewish people. We can't allow... You know, we have two great and amazing communities. I think the Haredi community is an amazing community. Right. The secular community is an amazing community. Each of them has so many very unique added values to, to rebuild the future of the Jewish people. Yeah. And I was bothered for many years there, but there is totally disconnected between these two, I always said, these two big, my, my two big loves. I love the Haredi society. I grew up in the Haredi society. I raised my kids in the Haredi society, and I want to continue this. And on the other hand, I feel that I'm very, very much into the, 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 the session of, of the rebuild of the state of Israel. Yeah. Again, as a son of Holocaust survivor, I can't be uh, apathetic to, to the miracle of the rebuild of the Jewish people. Yeah. And I can live in these two worlds. I mean, I can live with the, with the conflict of, yes, but uh, as, as some prices and Jewish values. But I, that was my main concern. I said we have to find a way how we are going to live together. Not because I was concerned about the GDP or the economy of Israel. I was much more concerned in a deeper concern about the future of the Jewish people. Because I believe that the, the the Orthodox society, in general, and the Haredi site in particular, have a crucial role on the future of the Jewish people. Meaning, yes, it's important to, to have a great GDP, it's important to have a strong army, but we have to have a soul, we have to have a mission, You have mm-hmm. to have what for. And I think that having a society that's so much still committed to the original Jewish values, it's crucial for the Jewish people. Crucial not that everybody should adapt this model, in order to be able to live with this diversity, and I believe that in the next decades, we will see Judaism is going to be in different versions, which Mm -hmm. is something that, but we're still into an experiment. This new experiment of having a new way of life for Jewish people, it wasn't done yet. Even after 75 years of the State of Israel, I'm not sure that if we will take out the religious element of the, of the Jewish people. You know, let, let's say that the Haredi will decide that they're going to the diaspora. Nobody likes them here. You know, they're not going to the army and they will go, I don't know, to Uganda or to the United States and try to rebuild mm-hmm. their communities.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not sure, and, and, and again, if the religious people will leave, I'm not sure that the state of Israel will continue even to survive. Because what happens is that yes, people are doing great in business and high-tech and army and technology and science, but here comes the question. And if you ask me what, what's behind the main concern of people who are protesting today is not the issue what will happen to, to, to judicial reform or to the, even to the Israeli economy. Mm-hmm. They are facing the big questions where Israel is going to be oh, in, yeah. in oh, 10, 20, 30 years.
0: And you know that's true because even the, the politicians who oppose right now, they, they, they oppose some of these reforms. Before this became an issue, were in favor, of it, right? Yeah, it's just who's do, who's doing the reforming, right? Who's mm-hmm. doing? Who's the one behind manipulating? Uh, not, absolutely, know, and, 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 and like,
1: like took me in you know, a few few weeks that I start to have deep conversation with people from all yeah. all sides to understand that the issue is not this uh, this, this part of the question. Right. And I called it in in an essay that I published in our publication Mishpacha. I called it, it's not about democracy; it's about demography. Yeah, but I want to say that even my point is that not the issue is not just that the issue is not the judicial reform, or the issue is more Haredim. I'm saying even put aside Haredim, mm-hmm. the, we are facing a crisis. the The next generation after seventy five years of the state of Israel, I find many of my good friends are asking themselves, Are is my kids are going or my grandkids are going to live in Israel now? Their excuses why you are not sure they're going to live in Israel because of the Haredim, because of the demographic, right, because right. the economy. I'm not sure that this is the only question. I, I agree that this is part of the concern, but there is a deeper question.
0: So, what is that? And question? even
1: people who serve the army when they are leaving the state of Israel, many of them sending their kids to a public or non Jewish education, and many of them are assimilated, assimilated meaning. Did the state of Israel really solve the problem of making sure the continuation of the Jewish people? I'm not sure about it. And I'm not sure about it. Or I can say based on, on, on the, what, what, what we're facing today and seeing the world, the high rate of assimilation in the world. And you have to know that people who are coming to Israel are in the highest risk of high rate of assimilation. People that moved to Israel? Meaning, Israelis who are living in Berlin, L.A., or any other places, the rate of their assimilation is higher than the regular American or or European Jew.
0: Okay, so so I think it would be very profitable because there's there's an obvious disconnect between what you guys are buying and selling versus what everyone else is buying and selling. And what are the values... What are the things that, you said, okay, observance of Torah and Jewish law, but there must be some sort of value that then translates into being a Jew, and then those values ought to be, they have to serve some kind of real world purpose. Absolutely. Right, otherwise, who cares? So no. what are those values that you think you stand for that everyone else can get on board with no no uh,
1: absolutely, and I agree with you, and I'll get to this point. I just want to go back oh, to sorry. my to my decision so yep. my so my concern is someone who grew up in the Haredi society and they loved the Haredi society, mm-hmm. and I said, you see almost two different the auton- autonomy of almost two different nations and 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 are getting when I was a child, we lived in a mixed neighborhood whenever we lived in whether in Jerusalem the old city for few years in Ashdod always we live together, religious and not religious people. Yeah. When I went to a school, so it was a religious school, but the kids in my school were from all sectors of the Haredi world, was Hasidic and Sephardic and Chabad and Breslev and, and Lithuanian, etc. And even by the Haredi said it's not anymore. Today, Haredi are living in a segregation. Everybody, first, they're living in a segregated neighborhoods, so you can... You, and 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 in, even among the Haredim, So, if you are some specific, not just Hasidic, specific Hasidic, so you will right. you can you can born and die without without having any interaction with with someone from out of your sector. Almost almost without any interaction. Oh my God, it's frightening. Yeah, it is. It
0: that's, is frightening. That's really going back. By the way, I just years.
1: I just met a matchmaker, Khanim, to amazing people who are dealing with some some crisis in the Hasidic world of elder people who have a hard time to find Shidduch. And the said, part of the problem is that today, if you are Hasid Gur, you won't take a girl from Vizhnitz. And if you are Vizhnitz, you won't take from Buyan. And then if there is there is some balance or, or misbalance between, between the genders, so the problem is that all you want to take only from your sector and subsector and subsector, which becomes a problem. So, as I said, when I grew up, uh, we lived in a way that we are part of the state. By the way, when my when I was a child, almost all of all of the Haredim, after yeshiva and a few years in Koilel, went to work. And one when they went to work, they went to the army.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I myself went to the army. My father went to the army. Oh wow! So th- that was like a given. And today it's not the case. Today it's not the case. So when you see how we're getting apart, Haredim and non-Haredim, it's really a big, a big threat and a big challenge of the state of Israel. So when I started my foundation, I said, we have to do something to build a connection between the two, yeah. the, the two parts. And again, as I said, my point was that, you know, we are facing the miracle of rebuild the Jewish nation or Jewish life. We're still in the experiment. The experiment, it's not over yet. Seventy-five years, and even hundred years, or hundred fifty years—it's a very short time in in, in history perspective. Mm-hmm. And you can see the trends. And when I'm talking to my friends today, most of their concern is: I'm not sure that my kids or my grandkids will live in Israel.
0: But you said you said they use uh, the dem- uh, demographics as a cover for something deeper.
1: That I, I believe that they have a real concern about the demographic, yeah, but if you want to rule, to look much deeper, I'm saying this is part of the concern.
0: So what is the deeper concern?
1: Jewish identity. Were we able really to give our kids so, so it, by, by the the first seventy five years we're still fighting to build, to fight to 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 protect the state security. so we we had a sense of mission. The sense of mission is gone. We're flourishing. We have a great economy. We 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 are more or less doing well with our enemies. And now the question is, what for? Why a young guy who can live in Berlin and in LA and San Francisco and Toronto will stay in
0: Israel? And and not just for um, negative reasons. In other words, like antisemitism um, or right? Exactly right. Yeah? And, and that's
1: right. and that's the challenge. And I feel like there has
0: to be a positive vision toward to, to being a Jew.
1: Right. And, but, and, and 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 I think this is right now, if if I have to to pinpoint what, what's the real crisis, mm-hmm. the real crisis is a meaning. And the real crisis is the partnership, meaning, OK, we want our kids to live here. We see the Haredi, the people who are making uh, the future of Israel something that we are really afraid that it's not going to be something that we want to live. Yeah. But I want to ask the positive question. What are the conditions to build a real partnership between religious people? I just told one of my friends, you know, they were, again, accusing the Haredim that because of you and and the the country is going to become a religious country Mm -hmm. and and, and poor country and so on and so on and so on. And I said, I want to say one thing. You know, you're criticizing our system and education system and Yeshivot. I know that you're asking yourself if your kids will stay in Israel. I don't have this question. I'm sure that my kids and my grandkids will continue to stay in Israel, no matter what the conditions will be. Because we, we did something in our educational system to, to create a real commitment to, to live to Eretz Israel, to Jewish state. You see people from all over the world, especially Orthodox people, we don't need taglit, sending thousands of kids every year to seminary girls, boys to yeshivas, Young couples who are staying in Israel for years to learn Torah, so they see Israel as the center of the Jewish life. Mm-hmm. And even successful people sending their kids for one, two, three, sometimes even five, seven years, because they see Israel as the center of, of Jewish Jewish identity.
0: And, and and there's something to what you say, because I think most polls show that um, the more religious you are, the happier you are. Like, In other words, when you say that your kids and your grandkids are going to live here, and you're certain of that. It's because you 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 can show them that there's a real benefit to living here, right? If if I'll, I'll just give you one anecdote as an example. So you ma- you mentioned matchmaking. Mm-hmm. There's a show on mm-hmm. Netflix called um, Jewish ma- Matchmaking. I
1: heard about it. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, and so they so they go through a whole bunch of uh, people who are looking for a partner, and um. It's mostly secular Jews, and they just don't have their shit together. They are just all over the place, you know, coming up with silly you know, requirements for a partner. And then they, they uh, she, the matchmaker, she speaks to one um, Orthodox woman, and she's so grounded and calm and... She's like she's like surrendered her fate to God. Look, if it's not this one, then another one. But just so long as I uphold my values, so long as I continue to be a good person, things will work out for me in the end. Like that—that's the I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but that's kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the yes, the spirit that she embodied. And it was just so rational the way, like it was so down to earth. Of like, look, what makes what makes a good partnership? Respect between a man and a woman, whatever it is, like love in the house, you know. And it just having the same goal, yeah, raising a family, right, right, sharing the same values, right, all, all that. Besides and just having good time, and exactly. And when like, and the, and the secular types are saying, you know, one has to have nice eyebrows, uh, you know, um, one has to like guns, uh, things that just, you wouldn't even enter your mind if you think like, okay, I want to seek a partner. These are not the, the, they're nowhere near on the on the top of the list, right? Mm-hmm. So so there there is something to there is something to this, the, the religious life that seems to work in, 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 the, in the world.
1: And by the way, there is something in the non-religious that seems to work. Very much so. And, and now the challenge is, really, <laughs> it's how, that we GDP. Can have this, how can we have this conversation? Yeah. That, that's exactly my point. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and I'll, I'll just uh, refer to the example you spoke about, couplehood, matchmaking yeah. and mm-hmm. shiduchim.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Haredim have a very special model that from people from outside, it's really hard to understand that it works. Well. Okay, but it works. It works.
0: But, but it's nice to get drunk and you know <laughs> it works. Have fun.
1: And I remember one of my closest friend um, he was with me, was witnessing when, when one of my kids went through a shiduch. Mm-hmm. And he saw the process the way he had at that time he had three kids that were not married, one of them were in China, very successful in business. Uh, his daughter were were in England mm-hmm. dating with the I think a Nanju guy, but were also very successful in in the academia and university. And by the way, finally, he passed away uh, not long ago, but finally, I think a few years ago, one of his kids uh, uh, got married and they got two grandkids from a convert, uh, a Chinese woman. But, okay. You know, they, they built a family. They looked at me, and I, I'm a father of six kids today, I'm 58 years old, and I'm a grandfather of 10.3 kids, <laughs> uh, grandkids. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and and I remember that he was with me by the time that I w- went through the process of of, uh, of uh, trying to find out about a specific uh, date for my son that later they got married. Yeah. And he was really shocked. And he said, you know, I looked at my kids and I see how they are struggling in their, their w- you know, the, the world of dating. And by you, um, w- w- what he liked so much was First, the due diligence, meaning <laughs> you're not going to a date before a real due diligence. And because we are very community-style mm. community, okay, mm-hmm. so it's very easy even to get information I want to get information about these families, so I know, uh, you know in two three efforts I will find people that I know and right. trust and they know them
0: and it's, on, it's multi-layered so, right because it's, it's on, the, on the, the couple themselves but also on the, on the parents the parents right? the, the family. family exactly yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, and, and so the, the, the diligence process meaning mm-hmm. before I'm sending my young boy and my young girls to date with someone I will do not him I will do the due diligence. Right. And that makes for more any, sense
0: because you've already been through it. Yeah. You know what are the things you have to look and for. And also, I didn't yeah. meet
1: her by a club and I was half drunk. I'm going to date after that we find out that we're sharing more or less the same values, same family style, mm-hmm. as I mm-hmm. mentioned. Mm-hmm. If, if there are Hasidic. What kind of Hasidic? We have to make sure that it's really fi- matching my, my lifestyle. Yeah. And then when the young couple goes, always there is a high chance. That the match will work because everything around works now the question is in terms of chemistry, right. whether they like or not, but they're not going to dance or for clubs or you know for years. They're very focusing in this four, five, six, seven. this is the average of, of a regular Lithuanian dating by Hasidish even less, but let's say by our community, which right. are, i the Lithuanian, the yeshivot. Right. so it takes between four to five, six dates to make a decision Wow! so when they are going to date they're very focusing they are coming just to find out if they they, they really like each other mm-hmm. if they share this they have the same values meaning her expectation his expectations so it's a very focus and the world works yeah sometimes it doesn't work okay and, no, and there's the,
0: also also divorce i also i love the logic because you know we secular leftist types tend to think that you know the 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 uh what what defines humans is so the 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 boundaries of the borders are ever expanding but actually no like we we're still the same couture now than we were a thousand years ago or even almost 50,000 whatever however far back it goes and so there really aren't that many parameters that you should be examining when you're thinking about the person you want to spend the rest of your life with mm-hmm um, and, it's, and it's great that there's a, a sort of a council of council of elders who've already been through this. So you have to know what to look for. You have
1: the family, and even the young couple they're coming with a very holy mission. We're going to build a Jewish life. We're not going mm, to mm. have good time together. Yes, it's, it is important to have good time together, but they're coming and asking themselves, "I am you know today my, one of my nieces is going to get married today, and you see how serious today. It, today. yeah, oh, wow. And, and, and next week another one <laughs> uh, uh, and and you see how serious they're going into this process mm-hmm. meaning it's coming with a very holy mission and really trying to focus on the mission i we see ourselves as some, as the parents are going to raise kids and what are our jewish values are you going to study or not going to study torah and what the balance between right. studying and not studying and i think that it's it's really filtering all the, the the you know we know that the chemistry between genders men and women has so many elements of mm-hmm. of, of uh, appeal and and sexuality trying to eliminate them to the m- really to the minimum and really giving you an opportunity to focus for a moment of the human being the person not mm. not not everything around and i think this is an example of in, in my vision, what I would like to see in the future when I spoke about what can be the contribution of the Haredi society to the rest of the Jewish people, is not just okay, we have nice model for our lives and please support us so we can maintain and continue. No, we have to participate in the conversation and, and see and learn by the way, even learn from models and, and, and again I believe that there is also very interesting and good models of couplehood between non-Haredi people, I don't think that Haredi, the only, pe- the only people who can really make a nice, mm. good couple, and I have many good friends that, uh, that we can really see how they are building the family and, mm-hmm, and taking mm-hmm. care about each other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But Haredim should participate in the conversation, not just to take care. And I think the legitimacy of having your own life, and that's back to the question you spoke about, G, uh, G, uh, G, GD, GDP, no? GDP. GDP, sorry. <laughs> Uh, talking about JDP is understanding that, yes, your legitimacy to live in a special style is relevant as long as you are going to contribute something for for the Jewish people. And I think Haredi people have so much to contribute in their community models, family models, education models. I just uh, had a conversation last week with one of the researchers in our institute. We funded the Haredi Institute of Public Affairs. And he's now applying to get uh, like a huge budget to do a study to try to find interesting models that exist in the Haredi society and see are they? how can we make them scalable or relevant to the other people. Like we have the free loan system. We have so many interesting models that exist. And by the way, just give one example of the Torah, Haredi have no problem of retiring and think, okay, so what am I going to do with my life? Because the passion for an average Haredi person is, whenever he have free time, he wants to study Torah. Mm-hmm. So what you can see, people are like, when they're getting to this point that they finally, finally retired, people are working, they're running to, to the bet Midrash and sitting and learning and, and really flourishing. Now we understand the world in 10, 20 years from now, we will have much more, you know, we're still today we are struggling with extra time. What will happen with the AI? What will, will happen to us with the AI and the technology? That we, the crisis will be. People will ask themselves, "What am going to do with right. my free time?" Right, right. And there is a community <laughs> who is very intellectual oriented, who loves studying and create a culture of learning. And maybe this is something that we can offer to other people. Again, not to offer them to be religious. The passion of studying and learning. The passion of always as a life mission to continue to learn. And my dream and my mission is to see how we can really create a conversation or a partnership between Haredim and non-Haredim, not just in the areas that Haredim have their own strengths. I agree that the conversation should be also talking about the economy and the security, all the other issues, but I think the conversation should start with coming with appreciation what each of the partners brings to the table and not to look, and and I think the main problem sometimes with policymakers regarding Haredi society, that they're saying, okay, you know, you have yeshivot, you have, I, 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 don't know, I don't know what you're doing, but please make sure that you're going to get uh, to, to go to work. And I said, uh, before, I agree. We have to make sure to find the best opportunities to let people to participate in the work field and, and, and do their best and, and, and flourish and whatever. Yeah. But please don't forget what they're bringing to the table that it's even relevant, not just for the Jewish people, but even relevant for the economy. Because when Haredi comes with his passion and a way of thinking, he brings something to the table. You know, today everybody appreciates diversity, and I said, once we will appreciate what Haredim can bring to the table, we will get much more than just making sure that okay, I don't care, I don't care about what you are doing, but let's make sure that you will do something uh, so, uh, productive.
0: So, what what are the things that the Haredim bring to the table? What are those values that should be more more effectively communicated to the world?
1: Um, first, the sense of giving, chesed, volunteering. I think Haredi society, and this is also have to do with the conversation, why Haredi were not going to the army, which is a very sensitive topic, and, 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 and really part of the tension that we have is that we, o- over the years we agree that we are, you know, we'll let you Haredi stay there where we are living and and. and, and Please don't get into our field, meaning go to the army. that mm. the agreement wasn't just, okay, we will let you study and learn. We want to build the army and and the public arena the way that we wanted to to build. So you Khdim stay aside. Mm. It can't be anymore because again, we're talking about big numbers. So I think Khadium, I'll give you just one example. Um, I have a good friend that is a secular journalist, and uh, one day we spoke about my wife my wife, she's a psychologist. she went to Tel Aviv University. And I said, even us, that we are like considered more open-minded Haredi family. When she went to Tel Aviv University to do her master's degree and then uh, the training of uh, being a therapist, psychologist, so she, she got to, to know uh, secular friends from her class. It became very close friends, and she really appreciated them. And she said, listen, I met friends, uh, secular ladies, really with people with values, people, and I really appreciate it. So I said it to my friend, and I said, even us, that we're very open-minded Haredi family, when she was really working or studying together closely with those people, she even she learned to appreciate things that she don't see on, on, on the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. And this guy, he's a very famous secular journalist. He said, Ellie, can you please introduce me to these secular people? That was his reaction. When I said that she met secular people who are people with values, and, and he said, can you please and he is by the way one of the big fighters against Haredim. That was his reaction. Can Meaning you,
0: that he didn't believe it?
1: He said, no, I see I looked at the secular society and I don't see them as people with values as you are seeing. Interesting. That's A. Okay. And B, he said, and you know what makes the only way that the only reason why you see by the secular society. And again, I'm quoting someone, I don't want to quote, I didn't get his permission to quote his name, mm-hmm. so I'll tell you afterwards his name. Mm-hmm. But he said, the only reason why we still have values, family values, volunteering in our society, is because we have a lot of people with, which we call them the Tlashim. People are coming from the more Zionist religious community and there is like... 30 40% of them are becoming secular, yeah. and they are helping us to make sure that our because they are coming with their values, that they grew up in their society. So, when they are joining our society, even giving up the religious, but still coming with these religious values and education again, it's a very extreme way to describe it. But I'm just sharing with you to say this is one of the challenges. So, so for sure, if there is one thing I can, I can say for sure about Haredim. It's a society of chesed, and again, it's a Jewish value. Shlosha the, the, the Chazal said one of the, the three ways to evaluate, evaluate if someone is a, you have a Jewish roots. He's rachmanim, and People with pity, shy people, like modest people, and people who like. To, to give and to, to make chesed. So with the Haredi society to give to make chesed, it's like obvious. You're waking up in the morning and all you, you see is just how we can make, help people give tzedakah, uh, do, volunteer, and doing. So this is something that for sure, uh, when you're talking about Haredi, Haredi people, I'll give you just another example. I went with my mother to the beach last Thursday evening. You know, by the evening, I can't go in, during the day with her to the beach, but she likes to go to the beach, so she asked me to take her to Rishon which was so like, like around the sunset, and we came there, we sat there. And then by the evening, I saw slowly, slowly, Haredi families are coming, because the beach is becoming empty, and they want to, s- to sit next to the beach in a modest way, so they're coming after that the people are going home. So I saw family after family coming, and a Haredi guy came, and he saw the plastic chairs there, okay? Mm-hmm. And he wanted to take a chair, but was nobody there that he can rent the chair from them. So he asked a secular guy who was sitting next to me, and he said, where I should go to pay to take these chairs. Yeah, And the guy said, there's nobody here. And the Haredi guy said, so I can't take it. It's a gazelle. It's like theft. Yeah, I can So, and, and the guy said, no, you know, God send it to you. You can take it for free. I can see. Even, <laughs> I, I can see even in my people, someone can come to me before Yom Kippur. Employees working for Mishpacha and said, "I just want to ask you forgiveness because I'm afraid that one day I printed something for my personal use, so I used three papers without asking asking permission." So you see that the values of these people, of mm. being the morality, mm. and. It's it's a very high level. You know, there is nothing you can compare. And you want to bring these people to the cynical world who said that we, we just care to see how we can maximize our benefits and people who still care about the five minutes. And and I heard from many of my friends, that Haredi employees, she goes to her boss and by the end of the day, she said, I just want you to take off uh, five minutes from my day because I had a private call uh, to call to my family. It's, yeah. Who cares about mm-hmm. it? Um I'm i I'm talking to my friends in the high tech industry. So they said the Haredi women they don't go to lunch in the middle of the day. When they're coming to work, they're coming to work and they're they will stay. They're very efficient because they're juggling. They have so I said they're not uh, um going to Facebook and Instagram. They're coming, doing their job and, and they're very committed to what they are doing. So I think this is kinda that every employer would like to have in right. his company. Right. Some people that still have the naive mode of, of morality <laughs> and, and values, right. um, so that, that's that, that's something I think. Again, Haredim are bringing to the to the new and the, and the very challenging and technology so work some old fashioned values.
0: I love this because so when we talk about GDP, for example, something that I've been realizing. Cause, so I qu- I quit my job a year ago and um, sort of doing this on my own trying to be entrepreneurial about it. And what I realized is the nicer you are, so the, 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 the harder, the, the more integrity you display, the more opportunities open up to you. Mm-hmm. And that's wonderful. I mean, if that's really the case, that, you know, the Haredim are pumping out an army of super in, in um, moral people, and you put them out in the modern world with and you match them with the crazy technology that these are the kinds of people you'd actually want to have Absolutely. in charge of all this stuff. Absolutely. So long as they don't go, you know, <laughs> authoritarian <laughs> and...
1: No, <laughs> I, I agree with you. That, that's why that...
0: It's very... It's yeah. Yeah. Th-
1: that's why I really feel uh, very optimistic about we we have so much to gain from creating a real partnership between Haredim and non And what I'm trying to do in the past 10 and 11 years when I started my 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 uh, um, foundation and my, and my think tank is really to try to build models that it's a win-win model. Meaning, okay, we understand you already. What are your values? and yeah. and I don't want you to give up your values because we believe. And again, I, this I, I'm trying to 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 convince people. That we believe that not just that we don't care about your values. No, we appreciate your values and Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that you will continue your values because this is a kind of of a person or human being or a a Jew or a Jewish people that we believe can bring something to the atmosphere, to the the public sphere. But on the other hand, we want to create a very um, secure way of creating a trust between between the parties and that's related to the issues that you mentioned okay you so, say okay you're doing great but it's about time once you're not anymore a small minority that you will participate in the conversation yeah. about the concerns and the challenges of the of the
0: future of so so where metaphysics and and the real world policy connect is if if there are this this um, community of people that have these values and they are the highest values, right? of 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 integrity and love and hard work. You would expect those people to be the most productive, the most successful people in in the broader population group. Now, success can be measured in many ways, but mm-hmm. in terms of uh, impact on the lives of the most amount of people, positive impact on the most uh, most amount of people, the Haredim would be in many cases, the least successful mm-hmm. in the society. Mm-hmm. So there is some sort of a disconnect Absolutely. here between the values that you hold, how they resonate in the real world, and then obviously the impact. Like w- one should expect actually the opposite, that the Haredim would be the most successful if that were the case.
1: In, in some areas they are very successful, as you, you mentioned sure. about satisfaction uh, of lives, right. even longevity, which is, by the way, amazing. We have a study mm. which shows, in general, in the world, in Israel and in, in, in the in, in the world in general, there is a correlation between longevity and your socioeconomic level. Mm. Meaning the, the the lowest clusters are living shorter and the highest classes are living. I'll show you later the, the chart. Okay. The only exceptions are Haredim. Funny. I Meaning you can see. Low Ramle, like poor cities, living less years. Yeah, Ramat Sharon Herzliya, living like the, in in the tenth uh, level. Yeah, and the only and the only
0: the outlier of the are the Haredim yeah. who are competing
1: mm-hmm. with with the highest level of the of this, meaning. It's even. Works physically, bi- biologically, it That's works. So it's not just in terms talking about uh, uh, statistication in life. You can say, "No, you know, you are know, a drunk people. You know, you like, you know, you are you are you are happy." No, I'm not happy. I'm, I'm talking about functionality. I'm talking about yeah. the, the way of life. And By the it's, way,
0: it's probably what you said of when you retire, right? When you get in your old age, you're still you're still passionate. You're still energetic because absolutely. and there's so many of you, <laughs> you're never alone. <laughs> Again,
1: it's a very strong point. Yeah. Also in terms of uh, loneliness, yeah. yeah. So we had a, we had a conference a few years ago when he demonstrated those studies talking about health. And we had Professor Yonatan Levi from Sharit Sedeq and okay. some other experts. And mm-hmm. we asked them first, is this is what you're saying? absolutely. And we said it has to do with the subjective, meaning people are more happy so or, or they're ready to even suffer because they like to live. And he said it's a combination. It has to do with the attitude Yes, they appreciate life, they have meaning in life, but also in terms of practicalities. The way that the community, first the family, so you're never never alone, you're going to the synagogue every day, I'm going to the synagogue, I am spraying with, until a few years ago, I had a a Auschwitz survivor coming to our synagogue every day, he was never alone, Mm -hmm. he was never, every day, came, met the people, people asked him when he was missing one day so he knew that to, you go to ask what's going on with him but not just in terms of to go to ask. Always he felt someone cares about him, appreciate yeah, him, respect yeah, him. Right. The Haredi society, very respecting uh, elderly people. Right. We have to stand up when an elderly person walks uh, next to you. Mm. So so he said it's a combination between attitude, meaning in life but also practicality. So another example about what Haredi can contribute is Let's talk about the 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 um, welfare system of the Haredi world, or in general, there is the kupot zdaqa in every community, mm-hmm. in every neighborhood. Not community, in every neighborhood. And I am living in, in, in a big neighborhood in Jerusalem. So in every sub neighborhood, remote, which is divided to two two uh, areas, so in every every sub neighborhood there is kupashel Zdaka, there is the charity the people who are in charge of the charity, and they know in every synagogue there is a representative who knows who is the pe- who are the needy people, who needs something, who is now facing a crisis. It's such an efficient way of, of providing welfare, and it's amazing to see how it works. And those people, are all of them are volunteers. None of them getting paid for it. By the way, none of them even get any education to be a social worker, etc., but they are the top, top social workers. I just went to the synagogue Uh, yesterday and i met one of the people in the neighborhood that i'm living now because we're doing renovation and he came to me ellie i'm doing a program for kids who their parents uh, one of the parents is having a cancer and i need how much you ask me a hundred tickets for swimming pool to take these kids so he knows by the community who what, who needs something? How can we provide them solutions and et cetera. And this is an amazing wow. operation, the, yeah. way, the, way, the, the the way it works.
0: And think about the benefit that he feels for himself of I'm giving I'm and giving. helping. Facilitate and and this, by
1: the yeah. way, we feel totally a sense of a real partnership. I don't feel mm. that I am the giver and he's the Schnnoil. No. I, I thank him you so much for, to yeah. help me to get an opportunity to do something meaningful.
0: And you know, and you know where your. And I can means trust
1: him. I don't have to check him. I don't have to check right. what he, he's You're, doing with the money. But
0: you, but you also know where your resources, like the impact that it's going to have directly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool.
1: Another example about the the way that the, the the health system works in the Haredi world. You have so many organizations. What so do you mean? Well, so meaning, I'll give you a an ex- story. Another story. Yeah. Um, I have a neighbor family with six kids. The father was, at that time, Baruch he recovered, but I'm talking about a year ago. He was facing a cancer in his mouth. They have six kids. One of the daughters is a very, very strong um, autistic, autistic in a very, very high level, meaning you you can't let her stay for a moment without without, uh, supervision. And they have another girl that she's suffering from uh, epilepsy, but a very, very strong, meaning every few weeks an ambulance comes, takes her to the hospital, because once she gets, sometimes when she's getting an epileptic attack, she, she had to go to the hospital. Okay. And and medicine didn't work so well, so they finally find that she can take uh, cannabis, uh, mm-hmm. some oil drops, and that helps, uh, helps her to keep balance. Okay. She called me one, say, Shabbat, you know, Shabbat night, and she said they came back from a vacation and the bottle was broken and they don't have now uh, the cannabis and she needed emergency she, she you know yeah it's it's like pikuach nefesh. it's like to save their life so she said she called the uh, kupat holim she called the pharmacy and they asked to get it and said we can't give it to you because it's a, it's a drug so you have to get uh, uh, approve, approval by the by the police, so we can't give it to you. She called the police, nobody knows what she she has to do. She said, I I know that you're a very connected person, can you try to help me? So I connected my sister-in-law that she used to work by Hadassah Hospital, and she know, like in the community relationship, another guy who works for us at the institute that used to work for the minister of uh, health. Okay. And within less than an hour, a top officer came specially to their home to interview them to see how he can help them by the way he didn't find what he should do but they find a the person who came an hour later they find through they start to use their chain of people or organizations all over and they find in Batyam and rohovo two places they find the exact uh, uh, the exact formula of the cannabis they are looking for someone was got, got left over yeah and an hour later through having another organization we have thousands of volunteers who are connected mm-hmm. through whatsapp so they find someone who is going to deliver it from Rehovot to their home so in three hours they got it took them by the way it took three days to get the the the, the permit and, and and from the from the pharmacy this is an amazing machine of of community of but relation
0: you, but, but I, I will say that that is a very typically israeli story not just
1: israeli Haredi. plus already <laughs> no
0: no. <laughs> no but israelis are also just so willing to that, that's to why help. i'm surprised by your secular jur- journalist friend who said hey he can't find any no, secular no, I, with i, I
1: know uh, no th- the reason why i mentioned the story wasn't to to say the first half, of what you were saying is to say to mention more his observation about the second half. He said, "What I find in my community when I see like people who have very special attitudes, most of them are people who are coming from uh, religious education." That, uh-huh. Was, uh-huh. that was his point. Okay, I, I agree with you. It's a very Israeli, but you have Haredi society is really a startup nation in terms of creating mo- such an amazing models and efficient models, and not just how you can get cannabis from Rehovo to Jerusalem, you can bring from Melbourne to Johannesburg in less than 24 hours, again, using this chain of community. So it's not just in terms of willingness, it's also in terms of efficient, how, how it's going. So for me, all I had to do is to find two people that I know, and through these people, they were using their... Chain of people amazing. So, again, imagine what will happen if we will really feel that it's not just about how we can help. So, we already, when we have a problem, we know you can Mm. pick up the telephone, someone will help you. Mm. I want to give the other side of the story. I met with the friend of my, Jonathan Adiri, he's a very into the high tech. uh, You know, Jonathan, he's a friend of mine. I love that man. So, send Jonathan regards, yes. And you know, we discussed about uh, some opportunities how uh, to build something for high tech for Haredi, okay, okay. which I was involved. And ah. he said to me, Eli, you have to know, I really, really admire and appreciate the welfare of the Haredi society, the welfare system, okay, uh, and the health system. And we have so many volunteers, thousands of volunteers who are going and bringing food and thi- singing, and and by the way, uh, are contributing uh, blood cells and and, and kidney, whatever. Mm-hmm. But he said, Jonathan said, but at the end of the day, we need doctors, we need hospitals, mm. we need a re- rental a re- rental do rentologists, how is rent again? X rays, no? okay, uh. x rays. So we need x ray and we so with all due respect to what Haredi will bring to the table, but we need also scientists and we need professionals. Right. And I think this is exactly the challenge. Meaning yeah. Haredim have so much to bring to the table, and it's about time just to see the big picture and said, "Okay, you Haredim, tell us what you can bring to the table." But I want you Haredim also to at least open one eye to see the big the picture world, yeah, yeah, and yeah. to see, okay, what with your very unique and special values, what can you bring to something to be more that that can be sustainable and work for not just to to do good things, but also to be to build the future of the, the Israeli economy and, and security, etc. And so
0: et wh- the numbers so far, I actually read this last night. Um, this was Israel Democracy Institute. But um, that 20 years ago, it was a third of ultra-Orthodox men worked, and today it's more than 50%. Mm-hmm. And 20 years ago, it was half of women, and now it's more than 80, mm-hmm. percent which is pretty. It's a huge improvement mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. not a, such a long period of time. But still, you know, half of men don't work, which is bizarre. <laughs> as a guy, I, you know, I yeah. I wouldn't know what to do with myself if I didn't work.
1: Again, as I said, knowing what to do with yourself, it's not a problem for a Haredi person. Once well, in the morning, see, <laughs> really, right, if let's say right. he's, he's, he's unemployed, okay, let's yeah. say it's not. The, so the next day you, you won't sit at home. Most of them will go in the morning and find out Havruta, someone they can study, sit and learn, and yeah. they're going back to their their studies until yeah. they will find a job. Yeah. But I agree with you that this is definitely the challenge, and the question is, and again, over the past 75 years, so the contribution of this situation was, I think we have the two sides contribution, meaning Haradium ask, please leave us alone, let us rebuild our community in our own way. We'll try as minimum as possible to bother you. you know, okay, just okay. let us leave. What in, in terms of Chazal we call it Yavne v'Chachamia. It's Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai, by the destruction of the of the second temple, um, so he was asking to go out from the city of Jerusalem, and then the Caesar the asked him the the, 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 the Roman. Imperator uh, asked him, so what do you want? And he said, please give me a place that I can start my yeshiva. That's all. I don't, hmm. need. I don't need territories. I don't need anything. I, didn't, I need Yavnu Chachameha. And this became a phrase of understanding the Haredi attitude. Please let us rebuild our own society. and we try as minimum as possible to bother you. From the state perspective, they say the same. You know, we are now in the trend of building the country. We don't want you, Haredim, to walk. Between us too much, we want the Army to be the way we want the army to be, we want the academia to be the way we want academia to be yeah. and we we can leave you aside as long as you won 't bother us now. the problem starts to be a serious problem because and and, and i 'll give you just one example talking about the Army in the past ten or fifteen years when i 'm talking to my friends about the issue of which which is a real issue about Kheddim not participating in almost not participating in the Army or the challenges of the security of Israel. So I hear the following, they said, really, we don't need Haredim in the army, and we don't even want them in the army. Not just we don't need them, we don't want them in the army because I'm not sure, This was I was told many times by my friends, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that an army that Haredim will join in big numbers will be an army that I want my daughter to go. Mm-hmm. So we were finally were able to build a liberal, progressive, uh, very pro women's service and et cetera in the army, and we understand that one Haredim will join in big numbers, that won't be the solution, that will be really a big problem. So you Haredim, we can live, stay aside, okay? Mm. But at least do something. So go to do national service. And I, I think this is exactly what, where you're missing the understanding and the sensitivity of the Haredi society because what you're saying is the following. We're not fighting with you because there is security needs. By the way, I believe that there is security because if you're looking at the trend for 20 years from now, and if if every fourth child today in the first grade in the Jewish school is a Haredi boy, so you don't have to be a genius to understand that we have a challenge in 20 years from now, Mm -hmm. and it's about time to address and to discuss the challenge. But the conversation is, no, 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 we don't. We are not asking you Haredim, to participate and we don't even want you to participate, which is even worse. Saying we don't need you, it's okay.
0: Well, I don't know. It depends who you ask, right? Because there, there's, there's a, a very large swath of the Israeli public that says we do want them to bear the burden of army service I'm, I'm telling you I was involved in many many groups and
1: conversations with people and even with experts who are dealing with this, and this is in general the meaning. these are, these are military they, experts meaning yeah military mm-hmm. experts mm-hmm. and politicians and and, and, and and social activists meaning the point is the following they're saying they don't say no we don't you, you can do whatever you want they yeah. said we we care about the, the the inequality we care about sharing the burden but we're not trying to build solutions. How you already how you can contribute to the army because we don't want you the army because we want you to stay mm-hmm. to stay away. Mm-hmm. So go do you know for for the lowest level go do national service. And I said, hey, why not to talk about security? Meaning, can we have the conversation about security? This is a conversation that I'm trying sure. now, and yeah. I have, I'm yeah. having this conversation. And it affects you as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying is, is security is, is a secular problem. <laughs> it's not. It's not, <laughs> right. it's not our state and our nation. Yeah. But even worse, to say to Haredi, and I said, once you're coming to the rabbis and to the leaders, and he said, listen, we see the trends, we see the demographic, we see the th- threats all around, and we, based on this forecast, we need to rebuild the structure of of which talents and how many we need to get to the army. This is one kind of conversation. But the conversation of having Haredi with the army started when the army is struggling with having too many people and, and always the conversation is how we can we short shorten the period of time that people are going to the army mm-hmm. and at the same time saying why you are not going to the army which means and I didn't study Liba but I still understand logic which means <laughs> that the problem is not that the army have a shortage of real people. We care about something else again back to the point that I said we care about the way that your horadium decided that you want to leave mm-hmm. and you're not taking care about the needs of the states, you're not part of it, but we don't want you to be part of it because once your voice will be heard, yeah. we won't feel comfortable because we're not ready yet to have a real conversation, yeah. because we have to give up. And you see, by the way, the problem that today the yeshivot is there with the army. I just heard a few months ago that Rabbi Yaakov Maidan, the head of uh, Yeshivat Gush Etzion, and they said with the mixed gender policy of the army, even them, that they are very open-minded and modern people who are sending their kids as, as really a religious mission to the army, said, we really have a problem, and I won't recommend to my boys to continue to go to different kinds of uh, professions in the army because of this issue. So it's really become... What is the issue, sorry? A mixed gender uh, service. The mixed okay. gender service, which is a strong agenda today in the liberal, progressive... Uh, Israeli uh, uh, attitude of serving and I said again, I have nothing against it you know people if people want to have this opportunity but you have to what what's the price so meaning you are in a way rejecting people and saying I don't respect your life, I respect the
0: the values of of uh, but what of is what is the what rise. is what is the problem exactly because map it up okay um so what w- what is exactly the 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 problem because you're we're in an office now there's women here you work
1: yeah, no. You know, always, by the way, was mixed service in the army. But right. getting, getting them to fight and to sleep together—sleep meaning in the same tent—and and it's it's really becoming. I don't the think issue. that
0: that that really. That's part of the case. Yeah. I mean, when I was in the army, as brief a period I was, I didn't sleep in a tent with women. It was
1: no. It was all guys. Because when you were in the army, mm-hmm. it was very few, if at all, uh, uh, women who were in the. I don't know. You call it in KRV. Combat units. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so always you have officers and you have uh, intelligence and you have uh, you know top jobs, but but to be in the field together, yeah, it's something that really creating a big issue with religious people and not with Haredi, with religious, with right, religious right, right, people. right. right. That's why I called Rabbi Yaakov Meidan. So I'm saying, but it's just one example. We can argue whether it's uh, we have a solution. We don't have. Maybe we'll have make a special units for for people who who don't want to have yeah. mixed gender, but. All I'm saying is, and this is the point that I was trying to get to, is to say, we don't really want you Haredi with the army because you know, you're know, you coming with your values and, and demands and needs and culture and women singing. We have so many issues, so mm. we have enough with you in, 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 in the citizen life, why we, don't, <laughs> we need you to be the army. Mm-hmm. But please close your Gemara and go to do two years, I don't know, to help elderly people. Yeah to work in a hospital to bring files from the archive to the doctors right and this is such a disrespect to the values meaning what you're saying i totally don't respect what you're doing at yeshiva meaning studying Torah as a mission of the jewish people and i wanted to do something meaningful so if you're asking Haredim to join because we have to do something for the security of Israel, makes sense. But you're saying, no, no, we don't need to participate in the security of Israel,
0: but we need to do something productive, well, meaningful, serving it, the state. It's not, it's not about productivity for its own sake. It's about national service. It's about, it's about the army, the whole melting pot thing is that everyone goes in there and they all get a chance to see people from all over the country and they get, okay, now we understand who these people are in the country, what we are fighting for, right? Because it's not just the, the neighborhood, little small corner of this country. that you. It's, it's everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, okay, if not the army, then national service. are <laughs> going around and, and then you By see... By the way, national
1: service doesn't serve the need to talk because anyway, national service are not going to be in the melting... Part of of being no, but it Israeli takes you society. out from
0: your corner of of this country and but well, that's you exactly else. you're touching yeah.
1: the, 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 the exposed nerves of the Haredi society because right. talking about your participation in the security of Israel is one issue. Talking about we have a value that you need to serve the country. But yeah. Haredim serve the country means nothing. I serve the Jewish people by studying Torah. I make sure that the, the continuation of the Jewish people will continue because there is people who are devoted to Torah. So this is where we're talking two different mm, languages. Yeah, and again, yeah, I'm not saying yeah, yeah. who is right and who is wrong, yeah. but without understanding that this is a conversation. So why H- Haredim have problem with volunteering? They're the best volunteers. So they don't have a problem with-
0: And this is where also where it gets nasty because it's like we're saying, we're making a judgment on your life saying, no, 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 get real, get serious. Mm-hmm. That's not serving the Jewish people. And you're like, well, no, you get serious, and, right? And by the way, being yeah.
1: serious is to bring files from the archive to the to the nurse in the hospital. Come on. Devoting 12 years a day in, in, in sitting and learning is much more meaningful from a Haredi perspective. So this is really where we have to find the yeah. ways how Haredi can really contribute to the solutions and the it's needs. It's
0: unfortunate that we, uh, we, we, we run out of time because that... I think we've we finally gotten somewhere. <laughs> can we can we have five more minutes? Five, ten more minutes? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> can, five, ten minutes? Uh, okay. I'm right. I'm
1: over my other meeting, but uh, okay. Well, Yeah.
0: Alright, we'll try to make this quick. Okay. Cause mm-hmm. we're we're now we've 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 arrived at the at the heart of the fight. Right? It's it's this competing judgments on how to live the best judgments life. Judgments
1: and even values we see our values less democracy and yeah Yeah, 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 yeah
0: yeah where how do we reconcile this how do we how do we fit these these pieces of the puzzle together because if if this is the this is the frightening part if these two pieces are totally irreconcilable then the people who are screaming civil war you know maybe not now but in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, when the numbers just become what they are, undeniable, inevitable, that's where we're going to end up. So it is it is super important that we figure this out right now and not wait anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that's exactly what I'm trying to do in the past uh, 10 years. I'm devoting most, okay. of, my, most <laughs> of my time yeah. to really the effort to trying to build bridges or really to build models that can work and and preserve the the unique value proposition of each of the parts and yeah. building together something and I think in order to build together first you have to agree about your goals and and the goal yeah. is, is first to make sure that we as Jewish people can continue before talking about whether we should serve the country in order to preserve the um where were we um,
0: Look. The, okay. It's it's uh well, there's a break. You, you know you ask me there's you a ask breakdown me? in communication I think yeah, between these two uh, communities exactly. and how how we how we um how we possibly um fix this. That that's that seems to be the most productive part.
1: Absolutely. So I'm saying again I have two assumptions. A that we need each other in order to continue to sure. live here as a Jewish people. Yeah. Uh, for the sake of the state of Israel, and especially for the sake of the Jewish people, each part of this Jewish community is super, super crucial and relevant for our future. None of us can really make make uh, mm-hmm. build a solution that can 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 be sustainable without the other part, and not just because the seculars are more working a more studying Torah. Each of us brings to the table. Values and, and attitudes and 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 and, and special special uh, advantages, but the first step is first to understand. I said, set of First to understand that part of the problem that we're facing over the past seventy-five years, that always below the net we were fighting about narratives. So instead of trying to build solutions, sustainable solutions. Always in every decision we said, okay, but we have a big fight about what Jewish identity means, mm-hmm. what really means to contribute or mm-hmm. to do to do so whether you should serve the country or you should sacrifice your life to study Torah. Yeah. And and as someone who is dealing with public policy over the past ten years, it's it's always the problem when I'm talking even to professionals to try to help them to distinguish between when they're talking about the issue and the solution and when they're talking about the narrative mm. okay and and i don't want to bring into example because we are already yeah, too late yeah, but yeah. it's yeah. in every issue meaning first to understand that we are still the two communities are unsecure or fighting about the narrative. What does it mean to be good Jew? Oh, a good yeah. Jew means to go. serve the country, to work and uh, and and to be successful and to be liberal and progressive and whatever. Or a real Jew means to devote to Torah and to do chesed and, and whatever. And I think the solution will start a with, with recognizing that this is the issue. Meaning, talking about solutions should be like a good mediator. Let's talk about the mutual interest and how we can really build. And secondly, that each part will learn to appreciate other side contribution. We can't live in a country without the devotion of young people, boys and girls, who are ready to go to the army and sacrifice their lives. And this is part of our future, and we should be always grateful and pray for their success and appreciate what they are doing. And we we don't have a future for the Jewish people if we won't have people who are devoting their lives to continue to make sure the Jewish... Jewish life is continuing. Once we will come to the conversation with a real mutual appreciation, I think we can start to then to have a conversation about the practicalities, how we can really benefit from each other. And I see, this is why I'm so optimistic because practically when I'm dealing with these issues, I see there is so much that can be done. I mentioned welfare and health and and, and chesed and so many areas thinking different way of thinking that already have. And this is... I want to close with an yeah. optimistic...
0: Um, Let's do that. Um, so first of all, thank you for all you do. And uh, I, I, I appreciate the spirit that you that you bring to what you do and the mission that you have, right? You said you're mission-oriented, so it's it, it really shows. And um, let this be the first conversation of Men Between Us because be that's the only way happy. forward, right?
1: Thank you so much. I'll be more than happy. Thank you, Cody.
0: Bye, Eddie.